Hello, greetings. You know, that's how I start all my emails. Yeah, or any other communication because it's much fuller, you know, and longer than just saying hello. So it's like, greetings. <laughs> it just has like a, <laughs> like it, you can almost feel like the wind chimes in the word, you know, greetings. <laughs> so, um, yes, greetings to you. I hope you're doing well. It's a few minutes shy of midnight, but I have a promise to myself and with myself that this podcast goes out on Fridays. So I've sat down and i have started recording it will not go out on friday but at least i've started which is something yeah um anyway i hope you're doing fine since today is just you and i so uh, yes we will just we'll have to talk to each other i talk to myself so it shouldn't be that difficult i just i talked so i'll talk to you how i talk to myself and we should be fine right so peter won't be with us for this episode he's a bit uh indisposed at the moment because i think what people say it says something but means nothing, which is good, which is just a good use of language. We should have more things like that, that say something but mean nothing. Yeah, but luckily for us, this allows me to indulge in something that I've wanted to do, which is do an audio read of some work I've written. I read a long time ago and then I got lazy, didn't edit it. It's just been sitting in my drafts. I was like, ah, this is the day. This is what God wanted for this piece, for it to be very long and very conversational. So I could just read it out, right? So I wanted to do this because I love Guardian long reads, yeah? So I'm out. I'm a passable cook, right? Like you won't die if you eat what I cook, right? But I think Guardian long reads have just pushed <laughs> my career forward as a... Do I want to call myself a chef? No, 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 no. As a non, as a non disaster in the kitchen. This is what I listen to when I'm cooking. I listen to the Guardian Long Reads. So, in um, recognizance, recognition, I think so, <laughs> of, of what they do for my life, I wanted to do also a, a long, longish, longish. I think it's longish. It's not that long. Read, yeah. Of some work I've written. So I will just read it out. Hopefully it will be interesting. And we will not bore each other to death. Yeah I always wonder. When I listen back to these things. Will I be bored myself? Because that would be such a tragedy. You know. You bore your own self. This shall not happen. Because I've tried to make it interesting. So what will happen is. I will read. And then depending on. How much concentration I can master. Through this reading. I will just add my commentary as I go along. <laughs> right. So this piece actually was inspired by a, a spate of, I don't know, was it anger, frustration, amusement? I guess amusement. I was amused. This piece is on grit, which as you will come to find out, is not a word that I like very much, right? So I wrote it when I was... Mm, quite irritated hearing it so at least it's it's been some time the word has rested so it's it's had some time to breathe which is which is good for it and good for me right um but yes that's, that's basically what inspired me to do this piece i really just wanted to interrogate whether grit had any real meaning for me and for people who perhaps think of themselves like me right yes and now i'm rambling so let's just get to it right so the piece is titled grit question mark 
not in this country. Yes, it was penned 10 seconds ago, <laughs> according to Maktabani. Yes, so let's start. There are words that trip you up as you try, with varying degrees of success, to survive your days. You know what I'm talking about. You'll be scrolling on Twitter and unbeknownst to you, hidden somewhere in the avalanche of self-deprecating humor and trendy nihilism will, that, will be that particular phrase, that particular word, and it will rear up at you like muddy water splashed across the small portion of road that's not so much a sidewalk as the rumor of one by some inconsiderate who has to pretend at being in a hurry. My word is grit. If we're being honest, the original title of this attempt at an essay was titled A Growing List of Words I Hate. But then I caught myself, barely, and here we are with a different title. So if anyone asks, I can claim I was objective. But as is the rule here, I digress. Grit is one of those Silicon Valley words, right up there with other popular ready-to-hate phrases like we all have 24 hours. The written form of a migraine is what I call them, right? I disliked it almost instantly, intuitively. How I imagine if I lived out my days in some far-flung wilderness, I would detect poisonous plants. You understand? A truly visceral reaction against it. But hey, okay? I consider myself a reasonable person who does not fall back on, I just don't think I like it. When confronted with the question, what exactly is the problem with it? And I can also acknowledge that I generally dislike catchphrases from this particular subculture. Team no sleep, grind till we die, and now, in the new and improved version, grit. I don't know, it could be that I am simply lazy and trying to intellectualize it. It could. I don't disagree, but I think it's far more likely that I'm justified in calling bullshit. As I was saying, I consider myself a reasonable person, well, at, at least after 9am. Before that, I can't be held responsible for the version of me you get. So, I did the decidedly reasonable thing and read the research that propelled a largely innocuous word into global stardom. The levitation of grit into a tagline for the voluntarily sleep-deprived can be credited to Angela Duckworth. So two things worth highlighting. I quite like Angela. She's interesting and genuinely likes what she does. Has that infectious passion that makes you believe you too can quit your career to teach. She also does this very cool podcast with Stephen Dubner called No Stupid Questions. And I am now an incurable podcast junkie because... Why read when people want to just tell you things? Secondly, her work on grit is built on a solid foundation of research. It is not that unfortunate genre of self-help which is based on whims, chants, and the sighting of unicorns. Which is funny because at the end of this essay, I fully intend on turning into a motivational speaker Offering my unsolicited opinion on nothing but vibes and hot Nairobi air. But someone once said, in one of those podcasts, I now imbibe that one secret to happiness is a little benign hypocrisy. A little benign hypocrisy. This is probably not something I needed to hear as I've now amassed a stunning collection of those benign hypocrisies.
I'm going to grow up to love my work as much as you love yours. I won't just have a job. I'll have a calling. I'll challenge myself every day. When I get knocked down, I'll get back up. I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I'll strive to be the greatest. Now, this is a quote from Grit, right? So part of the reason Angela wrote Grit, at least from my understanding of the book, was how pervasive the idea of being gifted or talented was in her home. That, in fact, those who succeeded needed exactly that. Talent, a gift, something that set them apart from the average person, which, (laughs) okay, sidebar, reminds me of, okay, so I'm living this podcast, it's called The Story of Psychology, because... I do not know how to do anything in moderation. So I wanted to understand psychology, partly because I'm supposed to have a conversation about it soon, but we will see. We'll see. Yeah. Man plans, the gods laugh. Eh, yada, yada. So anyway, the point is, so I'm listening to this podcast and this man, name is called Todd, Todd or something. He's explaining the history of Christianity and he says, <laughs> Um, I think after the the whole rationalism, enlightenment period, he was just like, um, eh, as science and rationalism took hold, only the average people continued going to church, baptizing their babies and all that. The elite and learned shunned religion altogether. I'm like, wow, the average person. <laughs> Like, you couldn't find another word, but this man is always throwing shade. Like, in the whole podcast, I should tell you the story of Simplicio. <laughs> Simplicio. Which is the story he was giving on Galileo, right? So, you're saying... So, on Galileo's side, saying that it is not the sun that revolves around the earth, but the earth revolves around the sun. Of course, you know, all the pushback from the church, but apparently he was friends with the Pope, right? So Galileo goes to see the Pope. No, the Pope calls him. Pope calls him and says, Galileo, Galileo, you need to come and see me because you are now advancing heresy, right? <laughs> Which is funny because I've also learned that there's something like a re... I don't... Is it a reclaimed heretic? Yeah? A relapsed heretic. Something like that. So weird term. Anyway, back to what I was saying, Right? So Galileo goes to see the Pope. The Pope tells him, look, you can't keep saying these things at either is the sun, you know, that is at the center and then the earth revolves around it because why would God not place us, human beings, who are created in his image at the center of the universe? It doesn't make any change, any sense, yeah? So Galileo tells him that, yeah, 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 okay, okay. So what I'll do is I will not say that, right? I'll just... I'll argue it theoretically, right? I think, was this Copernicus's theories? Anyway, I don't remember because I'm listening in general. <laughs> as I tell you, as I, as I cook ugali, as I, as I wash dishes, as I make my tea, is what I'm doing. So anyway, Galilee, Galileo goes uh, to his own place in, in the world where he was sitting and writing and doing his things, right? And he writes a series of dialogues trying to explain this whole theory of um, how the earth moves or how the the planets move in relation to each other in the sun, right? So in this whole treatise, right, so there are two people arguing. It's just like the Socrates and Plato, the dialogues, right? So it's just like, yeah, so 
what he needed to add from the Pope was a line saying that God in his wisdom, right, <laughs> would not have created, made such an error as to make the sun the thing that is at the center and ask what revolves around him, right? So this man, when he's explaining this whole saga with Galileo, is like, hey. So anyway, Galileo created three characters. I don't remember the other people's names. I just remember simply two. <laughs> so anyway, it's just like, nah, 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 nah. And Simplicio, which he claimed was the name of a former Stoic, not Stoic, Greek philosopher, right? But also, coincidentally, rhymed with simpleton. <laughs> and you know, at the end, what Galileo did, right? When he was putting the sentence of the Pope in the words that he had written, these dialogues, do you know? who he gave the words of the Pope to, Simplicio. And you know, it was just, I'm sorry, but just so dramatic. <laughs> I like gasp. Todd, he gave it to Simplicio. <laughs> anyway, it was stupid. Um, but yes, I, I also worry about myself that I find these things funny because I promise I listened to that thing like thrice. I was, this, this is killing me. This is too much, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so anyway, back to my point. Where was I? Sidebar. So, yes, I do. I like Angela. So the importance of this is to issue a disclaimer, right? The theory itself of grit is in the right sort of lighting, not too bad, right? In fact, if I was to stand in the same lighting, I too would print out a sticker, all caps, grit, and stick it on my laptop, for that added boost when the internet acts like the coddled, like the coddled Americans Jonathan Haidt holds so much disdain for. What this theory of grit says is that when you consider individuals in identical circumstances, what each achieves depends on just two things, talent and effort. It says so right there in the book, but as Baldwin so eloquently put it, talent is insignificant. I know a lot of talented ruins. Angela is more or less making the same argument that effort can come in and make up for the lack of talent, that if you put in the work consistently and deliberately, you won't need to fall back on this. Talent in that frame can be rendered insignificant. So my basic argument with grit is that the sun just does not, in a manner of speaking, also rise here. The wind does not blow at everyone's back. Every idea, you must understand, has its audience, okay? So before printing the t-shirts and changing our gods, we must ask ourselves, for whom was this written? And I can say to you, with near-perfect certainty, that this theory was not written for you, that is, you living in the global south. Talent is how quickly your skills improve when you invest effort. Achievement is what happens when you take your acquired skills and use them. Of course, your opportunities, for example, having a great coach or teacher, matter tremendously too. And maybe more than anything about the individual. My theory doesn't address these outside forces, nor does it include luck. It's about the psychology of achievement. But because psychology isn't all that matters, it's incomplete. So Angela acknowledges this, both in the book 
as we can see here and even on the podcast i mentioned earlier no stupid questions you should check it out she says that when she wrote grit it was really with america in mind or as i see it with a country that has working systems well um theoretically at least let's ignore the mess that was the capital mob and the even bigger mess of the raging misogynist they elected as president need i say it i digress so the first problem as it reads grit is broken down into perseverance and passion which leads you to that biblical land of milk and honey success yes that's simple you can see why it caught on yet hidden i hate to say it but i deserve i am allowed one cliche per piece there yeah. is another benign hypocrisy i picked up yes yet hidden in plain sight is a caveat the equation is foolproof as long as external factors are held constant this is a this is a caveat this is the, the the exception this is the this is the thing that needs to be held constant external factors okay and here i drown you drown we all drown in question marks like like that meme the meme of the man <laughs> with question marks around it i should add it somewhere here anyway so what does it mean quote and quote if all factors if all external factors are held constant does it mean if a flood does not come in and lay your land to waste or does it mean if you could hold off drought for a few lifetimes so all your cows don't die of starvation in a single season or does it mean barring any potentially life-threatening illnesses that could have you rooted to a hospital bed in a nation with terrifyingly bad healthcare yes my eyebrows were raised while reading this because one cannot simply wish away quote and quote external factors one cannot simply hold them steady like water levels in an aquarium or my friend's fishbowl yes an actual fish he has an actual fish bowl it is literally a bowl a clear bowl with fish right so i was wondering how how do you change the water do you transfer the two fish into like a, into a paper bag then you change out the then you poke a hole what do you do anyway it's it's a fish bowl so yes constant like that like the water in my friend's fish bowl or can you yes yes you can can you hold this factors constant yeah yes it's called having systems that work a system that works a system that works for you makes such a bold equation not only attractive but entirely plausible a system like that offers very much needed cushion against the larger and more ravaging effects of living a system that works guards you against floods and droughts or rather guards you against the effects systems that work have affordable quality healthcare that lets you keep a modicum of dignity even while under treatment a system that works doesn't have officers targeting barely men in slums for the sin of their birthplace so hey it is my instinctive and fully confirmed repulsion with the word grit 
at its heart, a well-intentioned theory on how to wring the most from life, but at its worst, an almost silent reprimand against those who cannot, in fact, calmly blow out their externals and the weight that bears on their lives. Coming back home, anybody will tell you that there is no person more hardworking or with greater perseverance than the woman out in the village tilling the land. Having watched my grandmother do it, then my aunt, and done my own painfully educative stint planting, weeding, and harvesting maize, which confirmed to me if I ever had a doubt that I was not built for farming, I can tell you that there is, this is the very definition of grit. There is nothing redemptive to be said of it. It is backbreaking, repetitive labor that offers at the end of its cycle only the beginning of the next one. Well, okay, maybe it's not grit. Not great if passion has to make an appearance in the equation, but passion, like other words, can mean many things. Passion to avoid squalor is as good as any other kind of passion. You can be passionately avoidant of the straits of poverty. Or maybe the word passion rests in another ideal realm, one where we choose our lives, where we happen to the world and the world does not happen to us. Perseverance, those women define it. Resilience, embody it. But success, hey, oh my. <laughs> if a life spent bent over maize and beans and pulling up weeds for shamefully low prices is success, then sure. But I think not. Not by any stretch of the imagination. It is only one long, sustained, born with resignation existence. Of course, Angela is not to blame. If 57 years post-independence, we have propped up mediocrity after mediocrity that floods and droughts are still life-altering events. She is hardly to blame if we have complacently allowed politicians pretending at leadership to pilfer and plunder any seemingly lucrative resource for their own gain. Angela could hardly have counted for the question of failure of a proportion that by its very existence mocks her elegant equation. It is hardly Angela's fault. The qualities that make up grit are all very well and good. They will guarantee that the work that you put out into the world is leaps above mediocrity. It could even be excellent. But success? Elsewhere. Perhaps, in a different lighting, I almost, I think, envy Angela in a way, you know, that she can write of externals with a flippancy that makes them almost negligible. In a world like that, I too would be a grit believer. But here, now, grit, not in my country. Okay? But... Yes, there must be a but, right? Okay, so that was a long exhale of almost cynicism, right? But I attended a poetry workshop recently, right? Interesting experience, but a conversation for later. And one of the things I got from the lovely late Aladdin Osman was, don't take all the beauty away. Don't take all the beauty away. I like that. 
I think it's true that we shouldn't take all the beauty away. So here's something else I got from Miss Duckworth. The challenge of writing is to see your horribleness on page, to see your terribleness, and then to go to bed and wake up the next day and take that horribleness and that terribleness and refine it and make it not so terrible and not so horrible. And then to go to bed again and come the next day and refine it a little bit more and make it not so bad and then go to bed the next day and do it again and make it maybe average and then one more time, if you're lucky, maybe you get to good. And if you've done that, that's a success. This was from an interview by Tana Hesse quotes of Between the World and Me, which I must now admit I've not read yet and have no credible reason why other than that time is short and life is long or something close to that, okay? I like grit because it allows us a sense of control, right? I accept that I may be at best a finger's breadth above mediocrity as a writer. Maybe not even that, but you know what I am? The type of writer to look through a draft 10, 20 times. So it doesn't matter if the first pass is trash. After the 10th revision, it may still be trash, but best believe it will be shimmering, sparkling, glowing trash. That for me is where the beauty of grit is. Not where it leads, it may lead nowhere, but in the way it allows us to master our own craft, right? To say that we took something rough and lumpy, that we needed, molded, and worked it until before us it grew into something that allowed us to believe. Not in success, perhaps, but in something better, or that we could be, as Baldwin put it, better than we are. I think... I'm a long way from not wincing internally when someone uses grit as advice. But I can, I almost believe, comfortably smile and allow them their belief. Louis Clark. She believes in the virgin the way I believe in the mountain. Though in one case, the fog never lifts, but each person stills his hope in a different place. And I guess, I guess that's allowed. Right. So, yes, that's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for say, accompanying me through this uh, first trial of my, my audio, I guess, creation, reading, writing skills. And yes, hopefully this is the first try with, uh, with grit. We shall perhaps make this better. Yeah. Bye.